Good evening, North Georgia. It's Ralph Taylor, and it's time for another edition of the Chattahoochee Folk Hour coming at you right here on WBCX 89.1, where there's always nothing but the good stuff here at Bernal University. And I'm so glad that you're joining me here tonight. And uh, tonight's going to be a, a great time because uh, we have another great musician here in the studio. Tonight is going to be all about grooves, grits, and great stories with uh, my new friend Jefferson Ross. And uh, I can't wait for you to hear his music and to get to know him. So I hope you get on back home, or if you're home, settle into your favorite chair and pour that nice tall glass of sweet tea. Boy, that sounds good right now. It's been a kind of a parchy kind of a day. And uh, and settle in and enjoy the Chattahoochee Folk Hour. It's going to be a lot of fun. Well, Jeff, welcome to the Folk Hour. Thank you, Ralph. It's great to be here. Jeff, Jeff and I met up at Surfa, and a few weeks ago here on the show I did a uh, – uh, featured my, my visit to the Southeastern Regional right. Folk Alliance, and I was so thrilled to hear you and to get to know you there for a few minutes. And uh, and you've recently located to the area, and I couldn't wait for you to get on into the studio. So. Well, me too, Ralph. I sure appreciate you having me on here. I've been uh, enjoying the podcast for the last uh, couple of months. and Thank you. Really yeah. dig it. Thrilled to be here. Yeah. Well, first of all, Jeff, I love your name. I, th- I always think of you as the next Supreme Court Justice for yeah. the state of Georgia, the Honorable <laughs> Jefferson Ross is in the yeah. house. <laughs> well, I just tell him if you remember Thomas Jefferson and Betsy Ross, you're halfway there. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's right. Good. What a great American name, a yeah. great American name. Well, Jeff, let, let's begin by just telling folks a little bit about who Jefferson Ross is. Yeah, well, uh, I was uh, born near a little town called Lincolnton, Georgia, a couple hours from yeah. here, but uh, basically grew up in Atlanta. And moved to Nashville when I was about uh, 17 or 18 and lived up there for about 27 years. Wow, uh, that's a long time. Yeah, and uh, traveled a good bit. with uh, Traveled with a country singer, a girl named Terry Clark, and I was a songwriter, staff writer on Music Row at Curb Music and uh, did the full Nashville thing. And after the last publishing company uh, uh, deal was over, last pub deal was over, my wife said... Uh, is it a rule that we have to live in Nashville all the, our lives? And I went, well, no, not really. So she goes, well, the beach sounds pretty good. So we moved down to Savannah for about three years and really enjoyed that. But we got to missing family, and uh, we have a little seven-year-old daughter. And so she loves her cousin and her grandparents and all that. So we moved up to the big city of Dunwoody uh, about uh, six weeks ago. So we are Atlantans now. Well, wel- welcome to the area. Thank we're, you. we're gr- glad you're here. Jeff, go, going to Nashville at seventeen or eighteen. Tell me, tell me about that whole experience. I mean, well, it was—I uh, don't know. I guess I was just too dumb not to know better. <laughs> but it was a lot of fun too. Uh, I came there in the early '80s, and uh, country radio was still a, a kind of an interesting place. I think musically, there was all kind of stuff being played, and uh, so I just started playing around town and writing, trying to learn how to write. And um, like I said, about few years into that i got a really good job offer so i got to we got to open up for george Strait and uh vince gill and all those guys wow. so that was a lot of fun and then after that i wrote on music row for about five years and that was fun too i got to meet all the top songwriters and you know that was cool well i, I can tell you you're very well respected because up at surfa i enjoyed you know meeting other artists and they would always you know point to you you know you know jeff is somebody you need to get to know because he's a great songwriter well, surf is a yeah. cool thing. I mean, it's a, we and I, you and I had a good time there. I like supporting folk music any way I can, and these regional uh, folk alliance things, surf and nerf and all of them, are, uh, are good ways for, for people like myself, independent folk artists, uh, Americana artists, to get out there and meet nice folks like you. Yeah, well, listen, I, I've been enjoying your music online, and uh, we're going to kind of give folks some of that information in a few minutes. Yeah. Let's go ahead and get into some music. Yeah, cool. 
Well, uh, let's see. Speaking about family, uh, I've got a song on my new album called Isle of Hope, and uh, we were, my wife and I were laughing about family and all the the fun times, but there are a lot of pitfalls and a lot of characters, especially if you have a southern family like uh, <laughs> like we do. But what was it? Jeff Fox already says, if your tree don't fork, you know, <laughs> your family tree don't fork. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, well, it's just, you know, being southern is just a good, uh, it's a good excuse to be crazy. You know, you just call yourself eccentric instead of, uh, instead of nuts. <laughs> but uh, this is a song on my newest album called Isle of Hope, and uh, see, we'll try to get through it. It's called Family Drama. Ain't Irma quit the choir last week, we don't know where she's gone Her husband, who's a tenor, got caught with a baritone And now all of my curious cousins want to grab me on the phone I think I'll take a boat to Iceland Family drama is a tragedy They keep calling and squalling and letting that trip on me Lord, did mama, why don't they let me be? That's why they call it family drama, not family comedy. My daddy swears his cardiac prognosis is quite grim. My mom complains of cataracts, her worldview is quite dim. But they are hypochondriacs who send me around the bend. Iceland is too close, how about Uganda? Family drama is a tragedy. They keep calling and squalling and laying that strip on me. Lordy mama, why don't you let me be? That's why they call it family drama, not family comedy. My sister's wedding ring is missing. Now her son got caught shoplifting. Someone saw a daughter kissing the teacher last week. And his Uncle Jim and Uncle Tim, who were sadly born Siamese twins. The Jim just voted Republican. Now they don't speak. The IRS is asking questions about my cousin Pam Seems she's diverted millions from our dear old Uncle Sam Well, I used to be the black sheep, but now she's on the lamb Well, I think I'll stick around and watch this one Family drama, here's a tragedy It's too brutal and gut-wrenching for TV Lordy mama, why don't you let me be that's why they call it family drama, not family comedy. Family drama, family drama, family drama, family. Jefferson Ross here, writing about my family here on <laughs> the folk hour. All of our families. All of our families, yeah. that's right. Well, uh, Jeff, one thing I wanted to get into right off the bat with you is your music is so much uh, about Southern life and humor. Yeah. Um, I mean, and, and, and I say that because it, it obviously it's, it expands on really to any region of the country, but we kind of like to, I think Southerners like to, you know, claim our music for our own, kind of. I think we know? do, and I think a real strong, uh, real strong attribute in any type of narrative art, whether it's a novel or a movie or whatever, is a sense of place. Yeah. Because, you know, with, if you establish a sense of place, you, you, you can cut out a lot of dialogue. You don't mm-hmm. have to say near as much as you thought. If you just kind of know where that is, it creates an atmosphere and an ambiance. And you're right. I mean, I, I am more Southern than would probably be good for me 
uh, I, I don't tend to travel up in the Northeast or Canada in these places just because I tend to feel like Southerners kind of get me a little bit more. But, um, you know, you got to write what you know. Yeah. And uh, yeah. or at least, you know, pretend to pretend that you know it. And I think I kind of do. I've, I've lived in the South all my life and uh, I, I enjoy writing about it. It's um, it's something I don't have to work too hard at, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, work too hard. Well, well t- tell me about about your approach to songwriting, because, um, you know, a lot of folks are trying to make it in Nashville. And yeah. you're somebody that that just went there and made it in and, and became a part of. It. Well, I tell you what, Ralph, I went up there trying to make it and write what the radio wanted and all that. And it was I've been through so many eras of Nashville and what they want and what they think they don't. I mean, the problem is they don't know what they want. Mm-hmm. Not putting anybody down. I've got right. a lot of good friends who work for the record labels and they work for all that. And they think, they'll be honest with you. If, they, if you meet them at the bar for a drink, they'll tell you, look, we don't know what is going to happen. We don't know what's happening. So you might as well write what you love and write, as well, you know, write what you do. So after all those years up there, I said, you know, I'm just going to make albums of songs I like, you know, uh, do what I want to do and and be authentic to that. And the people, it's a smaller audience that I would probably have if I tried to just go for the mainstream. But the 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 fans or the friends really are are so much more authentic and so much more into it because it's 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 authentic, you know, as I can be. I don't. Yeah. I'm not trying to get it for the money. I'm trying to just you know relate to people and, and right. make some art and have a good time. Right. Is it the kind of thing that you were that you you have to write a song about a certain topic that the that the published companies want you to do, or do you have pretty much poetic license no. and freedom? Well, you know, as far as that scene goes, and it changes all the time, so I don't really feel like I can uh, comment on what's going on right this present. But as of yeah. a few years ago, you know, they're just trying to they're trying to hit a youth market, just like a pop music does. You know, yeah. for years, Nashville was sort of immune to that. You know, you could write. Uh, about you know whatever you wanted to write about and and uh, and write for a little older audience, a little more established. Now they're trying to hit the pop market because that's the demographic that buys, still downloads or buys records or you know whatever. And uh, uh, there's a lot more money in it, so yeah, that's what they're up to. Oh, absolutely. Now you you actually are doing your own your own gigging and your own solo acts now. Yeah, I started that about uh, five, four or five years ago. After all that, um, I put out the, my first album called Azalea. And I put it out basically as a calling card in Nashville, just to hand to people. Here's my rootsy little record with my quirky songs on there, because uh, sometimes those songs get get cut because they're so different than what the other stuff. So it was basically just a business card in a way uh, that we made. Yeah. And had so much fun doing it that I was like, I kind of got the bug, and it was sort of like, you know what, this is way more fun than clocking in at a, a writer's office on Music Row at 10 o'clock every morning and try to write with some 16-year-old girl who just wants to be sassy and famous. Right. So um, so I kind of got the bug and became a folk singer um, at a, the advanced age of around 40-something. And I'm um, just having a ball doing that. Well, uh, 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 your Azalea CD has got some great songs on there. I've been listening to that the last month or so as, as we've been getting to know each other. Yeah. And uh, uh, like I said, there's it, when you listen to your songs, you, you kind of feel like, yeah, I remember that. You know, there's things in your songs that, oh, yeah, I remember that, or, you know, and I think that's part of the, 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 the beauty of your craft. Well, you, thank you. You yeah. know, I, I worked for a guy um, in Nashville. He was sort of the head of the label there at Curve, a guy named Doug Johnson, who's in the Songwriters Hall of Fame. He wrote Three Wooden Crosses for Randy Travis and a bunch of huge hits. And uh, he said, you know, if you're riding down the, the highway in the morning on the way to work and, and you could look out to the car next door and see the little, you know, the bubble over their head and see what they're thinking— 
it's probably not much different than what you're thinking. Uh, so if you write yeah. something that means something to you, legitimately something uh, you know real to you, then chances are it's going to be real to somebody else. Too. Wow, that's a good point. Very yeah. good point. Well, um, y- your latest uh, CD is Isle of Hope, and uh, yeah, it, and it's it's a it's a again a terrific CD. Thank but you. but that tell us about I, I read on your website. Uh, some really neat things about the origination of the CD. Why don't you tell folks about that? Well, um, it's, a, it's a long story about this CD. The first two CDs we did was full production and bass and drums and the whole deal. And this uh, this last one, you know, we just felt like these songs are pretty strong on their own. Wouldn't it be kind of cool to hear a, uh, an album, hear a CD of just uh, vocals, guitar, and my, I got a good friend of mine, Tom Utes, uh, that you know, uh, is a dear friend who is a virtuoso guitar player. Yeah. So we said, you know, what about if you and I just sat in a room, kind of like you and I are doing right now, and um, and make a record? And it took us a couple days, and uh, that was it. And he mixed it and uh, mastered it, and uh, and we put it out. And honestly, it's getting uh, good or better reviews than we did on on the, all these other records that we had all the you know the fiddles and everything else on. So. Um, I got the idea. Uh, we lived in we lived in Savannah, and uh, the whole east side of Savannah is all islands. It's all barrier islands. We lived on an island called Wilmington Island. Yeah, and there's uh, Tybee Island. Everybody knows that, and Isle of Armstrong, and all these islands. And um, but there's one called Isle of Hope, which I just thought, man, that is the most beautiful name for an island uh-huh. ever. And uh, I was going through sort of a transitional period in my life, and um, I needed to express uh, a song about someone I'd lost a few years ago, dear uh, person to me. And uh, I came across the idea of this Isle of Hope that, you know, um, I'm moving forward. You know, I'm on the Isle of Hope because there's hope because I'm still living and still kicking and rolling around. So that was kind of the underlying theme of this record, that, you know, we're moving on. We're we're kicking no matter what's happened, whether you got family drama or whether— you know, whatever you're by yourself, or whether you're dealing with uh, uh, lost love or whatever, you yeah, know, it's you're still you still got hope. Yeah, well, it's a great CD. Thank you. We're going to be playing a few tunes from the CD. Why don't we go ahead and tee one up now? Yeah, uh, take the picture. Is that is that what we got? We have? It. Yeah, this is a song that I wrote with uh, two two friends in Nashville. A girl named Heather Little. She wrote "Kerosene" for uh, Miranda Lambert, and uh, she's just really exceptionally talented. A guy named Drew Hall. We wrote this in Nashville. Met them. I hadn't known them five minutes. They, my publisher set me up, and we were in the room, and we just got talking about somehow about taking picture, how family taking your family picture, and how kind of grueling it was back in the day. Did they get the perfect <laughs> shot? You know, dad's ready to kill you, and the blah blah. But man, aren't you glad you took it? You oh, know, amen. You look back 30, 40 years ago and go, man. First of all, I don't recognize that kid, you know, and that's yeah. me. Secondly, it's, you know, no matter what happens to mom and dad or what happens to the brothers and sisters or whatever, you've got this thing that's sort of etched in stone, uh, you know, this photograph to remind you of your family. So, yeah, yeah take the picture. All right. We're going to go ahead and play that now. This is from uh, Jeff's most recent release, Isle of Hope. Here we go. Take the picture. Put your arm around your mother, fix you tight. 
Stop fighting with your brother Let's all be still a minute And pulling towards each other Before you know it will be done Straighten up Stand right next to your sister All for heaven's sakes It's not like you've got to kiss her You don't know it now But someday you're gonna miss her I'd like to get this over while we're young Let's take the picture Before the moment's gone Take the picture While the smiles are on We'll never have this back again In a flash it's over and It's permanent as solid stone in scripture Take the picture Look at daddy Younger than I am Look at mama Just a pretty girl back then I wonder in that moment If they knew how it would end If they knew what they were doing When they said Let's take a picture Before the moment's gone Take a picture While the smiles are on We'll never have this back again In a flash it's over and It's permanent as solid stone in scripture Take the picture Take the picture Before the moment's gone Take the picture While the smiles are on We'll never have this back again In a flash it's over and Daddy's right I miss her Take the picture Take the picture Take the picture by Jefferson Ross. What an incredibly beautiful song, Jeff. Thank you, man. Appreciate wow. it, Ralph. Yeah. I mean, that, it, that, it's it's tough being a radio show host when you've got to talk after listening to that kind of a song. You know, it's so beautiful. I appreciate it. Thank you. And, and of course, I did take your picture while the song was going on here in the studio. Well, that seems <laughs> apropos to me. No, yeah. but uh, I, it's it's, it's that that song is so timely because uh, we just had uh, a bunch of our old Super Eight, you know, uh, yeah. video tapes that have been sitting in a box for years. And when they had them converted over to DVD, and we've been watching those those tapes at home, and man, oh man, it's uh, I'm glad we took them, like you say in the yeah, song. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, amen. 
Well, um, Jeff, let, let, tell folks where they can find you on the web. You've got a great website, by the way. Oh, thank you. My wife puts all that together. She's real sharp with all that stuff. I can, you know, barely use a uh, whatever abacus to add with. <laughs> but um, she uh, she put this thing together. It's just jeffersonross.com. Like I said, if you can remember Thomas Jefferson and Betsy Ross, you're halfway there. Put them together. Yeah, yeah put them there. And um, yeah, I'm on Reverb Nation and Facebook and all that fun stuff. So. Now, do you, do you have a Facebook music page as well? I have a Facebook music page and I've got a personal page. And we kind of mix them all up. You know, Facebook, they won't let you really advertise your stuff on your personal page but i mean i I post a lot of stuff on there too so you can find me at either place and it's cool yeah yeah fantastic well you know look jeff up are are you playing around the atlanta area now are you doing more of a tour how's that working out yeah i am Uh, like i said uh, we've got a seven-year-old daughter so when we moved up here the plan was just not travel as much and gas has gotten so high you know Let's try just playing around, you know, within four or five hours of Atlanta. Sure. So, um, yeah, man, I've been playing these wineries up in North Georgia a good bit, which is a lot of fun. They're afternoon gigs. I mean, I'm home by like seven or eight o'clock at yeah. night, which is yeah. unheard of for a musician. And uh, I'm playing a listening rooms. I'm playing a listening room in Augusta here pretty soon. I'm playing house concerts, um, all that fun stuff. No, the wineries are fun. Our little group uh, goes up to a winery every Every couple of months, and uh, what a lot of fun that is, I tell it you. It is. It's laid back, and it's it's country, but, I mean, it's, you know, a lot of people from Atlanta come up, so it's uh, it's pretty cool. I've sold, you know, a number of records, and I've gotten work, you know, and in Atlanta, actually, just sitting around talking to people and yeah. playing songs. It's so laid back, you know. Right, so, right. That's great. Yeah. That's great. Well, um, tell me about uh, Tom Utes. You mentioned him, and it yeah. helped you on, the, on this album, uh, I had met Tom at the Memphis Folk Alliance, and actually, I, I was sharing with you before the show uh, that I, I featured Tom's 1861 project on two shows and did an interview with him. And you were actually one of the authors of uh, one of the songs on the 1861 project. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, um, actually, I think the song that I wrote with him and and sang on the record on the first volume one there of 1861 was the first song that was was written for it. I think he, after we wrote that song, he kind of went, you know, we should make a whole album of these. Yeah. Because we didn't have any idea about making a project or anything. It was just he and I writing a song about the Civil War. He had written, a, he had read a book called Children of Pride uh, that John Brandon, I don't know if you know John, he gave it to him. And uh, John's a great singer-songwriter, right? lives in Charleston. But uh, he had given it to him, and he just, uh, Tom's a Civil War scholar. He's yeah. read the Shelby Foot, you know, yeah. anthology, he's read the whole thing. And um, he goes, well, this would be a cool thing to do and a good way to include some heroes and some friends. Marty Stewart's on the front with the first one and John Anderson and all that. And so we did it, and the first one went real well. And uh, he and I both uh, independently and together go over to Ireland uh, sometimes and do stuff. We've, we go to the, uh, the Belfast Nashville Songwriters Conference and all that. And um, so he got the idea of uh, this for the second um, installment, second volume, of it just being about the Irish and their involvement in the Civil War, which was yeah. extensive, because yeah. they, uh, the Union, you know, they, New York or wherever, they ran ads in the Dublin and Belfast and Londonderry papers for soldiers, and I think the deal was that once you got off the boat, uh, you had to serve for two years or whatever, but then you got full citizenship. Yeah. So this was right after the potato famine. It's a good time for them to come over. And uh, so they did. So they uh, conscripted a lot of people kind of that way through the ads in the papers and then sort of their life after they got here, uh, you know, fighting for both uh, Union and the, and the Confederate forces. 
That's a brilliant idea. That the whole project, you know, starting with 1861 and moving forward. Um, I mean, there's some powerful songs on there. I mean, it really. Oh, yeah. It, it's a, it's a great teaching tool. It's a great uh, inspirational tool. Sure. Because uh, yeah. I, I, I I'm also uh, read everything I can find about the Civil War. I'm, right. And uh, and man, uh, it's it's wonderful. I'm so so glad you all came up with that idea. Well, there's going to be a third and final installment coming out either this year or next year. I can't talk about it. I'll let Tom come back and do it, but it's going to be real exciting too. Yeah. So stay tuned for that. That's wonderful. All right, man, have you got another tune ready for us? Sure, man. Uh, well, since we're kind of introducing ourselves around here, I think I'll play some uh, a song or two off of my uh, first and second album. Uh, we were talking about family and moving to Dunwoody and all that. Here's a song about my mother that is fairly biographical <laughs> I'll just say that my wife for years she said uh, you know, you need, you've got to write a play or a, a movie or something about your mom and the family and my wife's a really good writer too and I said well I, I just don't know if I've got that in me she said well you've got three minutes to write a song don't you I went yeah I can do that <laughs> so um, this is a song about my mom it's called Blanche Dubois meets Lucille Ball Sorry, one more time. Well, my mama's like Br'er Rabbit, sharper than a briar patch, with a heart as big as North Atlanta and a cell phone bill to match. She's a minivan that runs hog wild, General Patton and Julia Child. She's a hurricane with a southern drawl, Scarlett O'Hara meets a Lucille Ball. She's got 500 ailments and a thousand allergies. She finds it hard to find her purse, but she can whip you at Jeopardy. She's matzo balls and Brunswick stew and murder she wrote comes on at two. She's a new parquet from wall to wall. Flannery O'Connor means a Lucille Ball. But she'll never meet a stranger or rely on them at all. Where did I put my car keys? Blanche Dubois meets a Lucille Ball. Oh. Well, she serves soup at the mission and she marches on Capitol Hill. And she tends to our grandmother and reminds her to take them pills. She's pedicures and brand new shoes and shopping chases away the blues. Her voice is ringing through the mall. Paula Dean is a Lucille Ball. She'll never meet a stranger or rely on them at all. Oh my God, my bread is burning. Harper Lee means Goldie Hall. She'll 
never meet a stranger Or rely on them at all Oh, I really love this Facebook Fanny Flag needs all of y'all And from Dunwoody, Georgia I do believe I can hear her call Hi, Mom. We're finding you. We love you, too. Jefferson Ross, right here on the Chattahoochee Folk Hour. We're going to take a quick PSA, and uh, Jeff, get ready, because when we come back, it'll be time for the... Crazy world. All right. Can't wait for that. Okay, brother. Here we go. My name is Jamali Rashears. I have a master's degree. I'm a long-distance runner, and this is how I live United. Education has been so important in my life, but lots of kids in my community don't have the same opportunities. I'm an advocate and fundraiser for my local United Way. One of the things that I do best is help pull people together to promote academic achievement and really give kids a reason to stay in school. I'm part of an ongoing speaker series with experts and young leaders to encourage networking and volunteerism. We also put together events to raise funds and bring our message to the kids that need to hear it most. I know that bringing change to my community won't happen overnight. It's like my marathons. You gotta know that the race is long, but eventually we're gonna cross that finish line. I believe that, and that's what I want for these kids. My name is Jamali Brashears, and I don't just wear the shirt, I live it. Give, advocate, volunteer. Live United. Go to liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. Hi, my name is Bobby Killer Knup, and you're listening to the Chattahoochee Folk Hour with my friend Ralph Taylor on 89.1 WBCX, the voice of Bernal University. And it's a crazy world, but I live here. And if you can hear me singing, so do you. I'm turning out my nightlight, feeling satisfied. Ain't nothing any one of us can do. Oh, no, there's nothing any one of us can do. Yes, folks, lock the doors. It's time for another version of It's a Crazy World tonight with our special guest, Jefferson Ross. Uh, well, Jeff, that was a terrific song about your mom. Now, I got to ask, was your mom like mine and made biscuits and all the Southern cooking and all that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She's a, she's fierce in the kitchen. Well, you know, uh, it, it's it's that time uh, when everybody's involved in fitness. Mm, and yeah. so we're, we're going to start the crazy world with uh, my interview with Scott Unold, who is actually uh, a fitness instructor here in Gainesville. Yeah. And then we're going to talk about diets. So it'll be right. some fun. So So the first part of this is... It's not so crazy. <laughs> Some good words of wisdom. <laughs> so let's go ahead and hear from Scott, then we'll get into our little our little questionnaire. Right Here we go. Well, Scott Unold, welcome to the Chattahoochee Folk Hour. Thanks very much. Scott, um, I, I've, I've, it's been my pleasure to know you for a few years, and uh, you are a, an awesome fitness instructor in, in okay. Gainesville and all around. So Thanks. tell us a little bit about your background. Uh, background is fitness for sure. Yeah, I've been a bicycle fanatic my whole life. Uh, grew up playing tennis and soccer and bicycles. So if that tells you anything about my energy level and how I think life should be led, that that would be it right there. That would sum me up. Um, 
Bicycles are still my thing for sure. Yeah, it's like you were talking about from the gym, you know me from the fitness classes. I do lots of group fitness. Uh, but then every chance I get, I escape to my bike or my trail runs or my outdoor excursions, whatever that might be. Anything and everything, I love it. As long as it's uh, some kind of energy level up, I'm ready to go. <laughs> well, Scott, uh, did you grow up in this area? Where did you grow up? I did, yeah, Gainesville, Georgia. I didn't realize you were from here. Born and raised, Gainesville, Georgia. Yeah, and where did you go to, to school here? Gainesville High. Gainesville High, yeah, how about that? In the city limits, went to city schools my whole life. Yeah, wow. so Gainesville High for sure. Yeah. Well, Scott, tell us uh, uh, part of the reason why you're here today. You're going to help us get kind of in the groove for the summer. You know, this is a time of year we see a lot of people out there pounding the pavement, you know, going into the gym and so forth, kind of getting those muscles back in gear. And uh, tell us a little bit, uh, say, some recommendations for us as we start getting ready to get back in shape for the summer. Uh, Recommendations. You know, you hear a lot about take it easy, take it slow, work yourself up to it. Those are all... Uh, good uh, quality advice, but uh, the same idea goes with intensity can make it or break it. So you can take three months to get up to a certain level, or you can take three weeks to get up to a certain level. Yes, I'm not saying go run a marathon your first day out for this for the year, but uh, don't let it take all year to do anything. You know, don't give yourself too much padding. Um, the clients I work with at the gym, that is my main focus right there, watching their intensity level hearing their breathing patterns, seeing what kind of level they are, a scale of 1 to 10, so to speak, and keeping them right about that 8, 9 level, working very hard but barely able to manage that. So as soon as you can, you need to get to a level of 8 to 9 on that 10 scale, whether you're walking around the block or you're going to the gym twice a day. Yeah. You know, whatever, um, whatever level you're committed to, just make sure that your intensity rises up to where it's a challenging but doable intensity. Yeah. I think yeah. you'll get the most from that. You know, your most bang for the buck. Time, right. time spent versus re, um, things reward. Well, um, Scott, what uh, what are the differences in terms of the uh, aerobic exercises versus cycling versus running or so forth? Is there any advice you could give to folks in terms of what uh, exercise to really focus on, or or is it just mainly what your preference is? Yeah, you know, I would. I would go towards that more. Um, if you're going to enjoy it, if you're going to want to do it, you're going to try much harder. You're going to get a lot more from it. Uh, same as anything else, if it becomes a job, it becomes something you have to do. That is no fun. You know, something you want to do. You can't wait till the next episode. That's something that's going to make you keep going. You know, get you out of bed every morning, so to speak. Yeah. So find whatever that is. Um, again, whether it needs to be you know physical, it can't be knitting. I really love knitting. Well, you're not going to get a big <laughs> cardio workout from knitting. You got to find something for sure. If you're trying to do a physical fitness type program, it needs to be an everyday thing. A little bit of strength, a little bit of cardio, some flexibility. You know, and then get your nutrition right behind it, and all the drinking and the sleeping and all the good things that go along with that to make the best benefit of whatever you are doing. Yeah. But yeah, you got to just find what works for you. Find what you can manage, uh, time-wise, energy-wise, uh, fitness-wise. You know, people have past ailments, past injuries that won't let them do their favorite thing anymore. Well, you got to find a different variation. You got to find something to get you going every day. You know, a little bit of something every day is my best advice. There you go, Jeff. There's some advice for us. Boy, you better, I, get, I need to get on it. Well, I, I wonder how many calories we burn playing guitar. Hey. Uh, uh, 
I, it depends on, I don't know, man. Probably not many. <laughs> <laughs> well, my, wrists, my wrists are in great shape. I know it. I know it. Well, I, I, I guess we're products of our environment, so I'd be products of the old, you know, Taylor bread and bread yeah. and butter biscuits every no. every night. So. Cornbread. But but anyway, good words of wisdom by Scott Unold here in Gainesville. Now, that leads me to what is truly the crazy part of the crazy world segment. Well, I'm going to fit in there. Are you a dieter, Jeff? No. no. Well, you know what? I did I did Atkins about 15 years ago, and I lost a bunch of weight. I just I don't like the idea of just all that meat and cheese and stuff all the time. Yeah, I know it. Well, I tell you what. There are some absolutely crazy diets that I came upon. Right. And that, that's what we're going to talk about for the Crazy World segment. Listen uh-huh. to these. Listen to these. I've got some recommendations for you. All right. First of all, there is a diet called the chewing diet. Mm. That's kind of <laughs> chewing tobacco. <laughs> no, 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 this is actually the chewing diet was popularized by, in, Ed, in, the Ed, Ed, in the Edwardian era by Horace Fletcher. He believed that chewing allowed food to be properly absorbed into the body. Insufficient chewing would lead to constipation and clog up the digestive tract. So he lost 40 pounds in just four months using the diet he created. Now, Dr. Kellogg was a friend of his, and mm-hmm. he required patients at his sanatorium to participate in the chewing diet as well. And so to properly in- to implement this, this is a good word. Jeff, you can try this, you know, at dinner tonight. Yeah. Here we go. You're supposed to chew each bite over 32 times, which takes approximately 30 seconds. After chewing is done, the person then tilts his, his or her head back and allows the food to trickle down their throat. Now, that sounds wonderful. <laughs> Anything that is still too big to swallow must be spit out. There you go. Well, I tell you what, it'd probably take about three hours to eat dinner, so it's probably they just probably didn't eat, they couldn't finish their dinner. Boy, you'd be real popular down at the varsity, wouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> Going back. Okay, uh, so there, there's one for you. Now, this is maybe the most interesting. Have you ever heard of the tapeworm diet? Uh, no, Lord, no. <laughs> well, <laughs> well if, you, if you eat for two and aren't pregnant, maybe it's time to get a second mouth in your belly. Oh, a tapeworm can sure help eat all of that excess food. Around the turn of the century, these little parasites were sold in a simple pill from claiming to help you shed inches from your waist. It's uncertain whether these pills actually had live tapeworms or if they were just another <laughs> snake oil product. Let's hope they were just snake oil products. But yeah, uh, I don't know about that one. How about the Sleeping Beauty diet? I'm, I'm all about sleeping. You can't eat while you sleep. So naturally, if you sedate yourself for days and neglect to eat, <laughs> oh, yeah. the starvation. And now they say Elvis actually tried that. I, I, I imagine he did. He probably tried a little bit of everything. Dr. Nick was on that one with him. <laughs> and how about the Vision diet? Now, this is pretty crazy. If your food looks disgusting, mm. you're less likely to eat it. Yeah. <laughs> While this is certainly true, it's not enough to make the vision diet or glasses any less silly. So apparently there's a certain type of glasses that are blue-tinted and everything. You, oh, I and, see. And so you put those blue. <laughs> in wow. And there you go. I need to try something like that, but that's, I don't know. I've seen this where they sprinkle this stuff on the food before that. You're supposed to, you're not supposed to eat as much of it or something like that. I don't yeah, know what that's sprinkle all Sprinkle and put on the glasses and eat a tapeworm, you'll be out. Man. Oh, man, I can't wait. How about this? Washing away the pounds. There was a certain soap made out of seaweed, and you're supposed to just scrub away the pounds with that. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then there was something called ear stapling. Have you ever heard of that? <laughs> Uh, no, mouth stapling I could you know, probably there, use. There, there's, <laughs> there's probably a lot of... Uh, 
a lot of folks that are doing this diet not knowing it with all the the tattooing and piercing going on but ear stapling is exactly what its name implies you pierce the cartilage of your inner ear and it supposedly suppresses your appetite wow hadn't heard of that how about the cotton ball diet the cotton ball diet is exactly what it sounds like you eat cotton balls well that's bound to be some fiber somewhere in there uh, here's one of my favorites and we'll we'll end on the oh i've got two more for you the first one is the hallelujah diet oh glory <laughs> it requires you eating foods specifically mentioned in genesis chapter 1 <laughs> verse 29 these foods are all natural vegan raw foods of course in genesis chapter 9 verse 3 god lifts those restrictions but the hallelujah diet overlooks this i see uh, you know i'm a new testament guy anyway yeah. you know yeah. you can eat whatever you want you know yeah. right. <laughs> I, I turn the water into wine from time to time and then of course yeah. our favorite i think is something really kin to both of you and me it's called the caveman diet oh yeah yeah it's uh, this diet is called the paleoithic diet because the focus is based on food available to cavemen during the paleolithic era around ten thousand years ago um i don't think they had snickers back then no um but uh you know, I guess they ate a lot of what pterodactyl. No, that's, that's not that all that. Uh, a lot, lot of ter- meat. Pterodactyl eggs. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, well, there you go. Well, that's. I, think uh, I had them at the Waffle House. One time. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> that, well, there's always going to be some crazy diet, and uh, but those are some that I'd never heard of before. Kind of interesting. Shows it is a crazy world. Okay, guys, we're going to take another PSA. We'll be back with some more music from Jefferson Ross. Here you are, Polly, my latest culinary creation. Mmm, these fish fillets look wonderful. They are. I just used a small amount of a vegetable oil that's low in saturated fat. Does that matter? It does. Oils like canola, corn, and olive mainly contain monounsaturated and polyunsaturated fats, and they can help reduce bad cholesterol in your blood and lower your risk of heart disease and stroke. How do you know? The American Heart Association told me at heart.org slash face the fats. Canola Info proudly supports the American Heart Association's Face the Fats campaign. Folks, this is Ralph Taylor, and you are listening to the Chattahoochee Folk Hour here on 89.1. I'm glad you're with me here every Monday evening from 6 to 7. We always bring you the best in bluegrass and folk music. Tonight we have a wonderful guest, Jefferson Ross, uh, who is from Georgia and uh, and has been a Nashville singer-songwriter for years and now is back in Georgia, and we're glad to have him back. But if you'd like more information about the Chattahoochee Folk Hour, I invite you to come on over to our Facebook page and check out all the goings-on there. We also have a podcast site at Podbean, like the vegetable, which is a healthy thing, by the oh, way, Jeff. Yeah. You got the you know the diet thing going on there. Exactly. So get your get your diet of good music from from <laughs> from yeah. Folk Hour at Podbean dot com, and uh, and we'll have Jeff show up uh, uh, hopefully in, in the next ten days or so. Yeah. Um, well, Jeff, uh, I, I wanted to ask you about an experience that you shared a little bit about on your blog, and that was your visit to the Berlin Wall. Yeah, well, I lived there um, while the, the Nashville tour of duty. Um, I met some people there who were from Berlin. This is right. Bef- this is the year before the wall came down, and uh, we got to be chummy. And uh, I was kind of ready for a little break to go over there for a few months. And they lived in Berlin, so we made a little bluegrass album. And I went to go. We made the album like that summer, and I was supposed to come in the winter. Well, between. When we made the record and they went back home, the Berlin Wall came down. Mm. And so when I moved there, I'd been there before and seen the wall and the whole thing. But anyway, when I moved there, they were just starting to take it down. So you could go out there every day. I lived, I don't know, 20 minutes away from the wall. 
and uh, go out there every day. You go to the hardware store and get you a pick and a hammer and all that, and just take your own pieces of the wall really? home. Really, yeah, they're probably full of asbestos and <laughs> uranium gunk and whatever. But anyway, I uh, knocked off a number of pieces, small pieces, and mailed them back uh, to friends. And then uh, when I came home, I brought back a couple of really big pieces in my in my luggage. So I've got one sitting on my on my bookshelf at home piece wow. of the Berlin Wall. Yeah. That is cool. How did it feel chipping away that, that wall? Man, it was really, it was interesting. It was like, you, you really did feel like, I mean, there are a few times in your life when you really feel like you're a part of world history. Yeah. And I really did. I felt like I myself was taking down a little bit, you know, piece of that, piece of that well, wall. Well, you were, you were. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. All right. Well, Jeff, let's get into some music. What, what, where do we want to go now? Why don't we go with Blind Willie there? Okay. For, um, I went on a, uh, being in Georgia after, like I said, all those years in Tennessee, I've really gotten back into being a Georgian and all things Georgian and music and everything else. And I got on a Blind Willie McTell kick about uh, a couple of years ago. And, you know, if you don't know who he is, he wrote Statesboro Blues that the Allman Brothers made so sure. famous and Taj Mahal and Chris Smithers, a bunch of people who have recorded it. And uh, anyway, he was born in Thompson, Georgia, which is near where I'm from. And he grew up in Statesboro, and he lived in Atlanta. He lived on, you know, East Atlanta for, I mean, his entire life, completely blind. But he got his got his way around. He went to school for the blind in Macon, so he could completely uh, exist on his own, subsist on on his music. And uh, and they said that he could tell the, the streetcars by the way the, the wheels sounded. Wow! He could walk all over Atlanta, Georgia, and never need any help from anybody. And he remained uh, fiercely independent. He'd get on the trains and go to Chicago, New York, without a bit of help and, and completely blind until he had a stroke uh, in about the last couple weeks of his life. And he had to go back to, to near Thompson, Happy Valley, Georgia, near Thompson. And uh, he suffered another stroke there, and the family couldn't, uh, couldn't, couldn't help him. And in those days, if, they could, if somebody would testify that, that you were insane, Milledgeville had to take you in. Mm. Uh, if you couldn't pay for your doctor bill or whatever, and you were whatever, if they, somebody, if you had two uh, witnesses that said that you were crazy, uh, they had to take you in in Millersville. So that's basically what happened to this man who'd been so fiercely independent his entire life. The last wow. week of his life, he spent in an insane asylum, and you know that had to be horrible. Uh, but mercifully, he passed away after only about a week down there. Wow. So I went on a blind Willie McTail. Uh, trail and uh, and ended up going to Milledgeville, went to Thompson, went down to Statesboro and did all that, went to his grave site there in Happy Valley, Georgia. So this is a song about my uh, my my imagination saying, well, this was Blind Willie's last few days. Fantastic. And this is from your CD, Isle of Hope. Isle of Hope. Yeah. Here we go. Blind Willie McTell Sat in the asylum in Milledgeville Cause his family could not pay his doctor bill So that was the last stop on the line They sat on the bed They could not make out more of what he said I thought he was talking to friends long dead and smiling at the women so fine when he walked the streets of Atlanta and he 
right hand And he caught the streetcar each day And found his own way like any other man Like any other man Drowns out the screams that echo down hallways of hellish dreams and whispers his last breath in the key of D. Mama, turn your lamp down low. And the tunnel does shine as he and Curly Weaver play an old time and heaven starts raining down shiny dimes he packs up his guitar and goes he walks the streets of Atlanta and he plays the 12 string with a sporting right hand and he each day and find his own way like any other man and he'll walk the streets of Atlanta and he plays the guitar with a sporting right hand and he'll catch the streetcar each day and find his own way like any and great stories with Jefferson Ross. What a great storyteller. Jefferson, you you, you find so much uh, story in truth. Uh, well, thank you. Yeah, well, again, you know, it's like if it's in, if it interests me, hopefully it's going to interest somebody. And, yeah. and the, the whole idea of Blind Willie was interesting because he was a blues, uh, you know, singer. But the fact that, uh, you know, that he was so independent throughout his entire yeah. life is just so uh, inspiring to me. Yeah. And when I want to complain about... You know, everything's just not going hunky-dory my way. You know, you think about somebody like Willie McTell, or, you know, or anybody who's physically handicapped like right. that, and it's right. just like, man, shut up and go on. You Amen. Know, do your deal. Well, folks, uh, Jefferson Ross is our guest tonight, and you can find him at, at uh, his website of the same name, jeffersonross.com. It's easy to find. Um, do you have to go looking for 
songs or or or, or just are these ideas uh-huh. always in front of you? Well, I tell you, like I said, when I was writing on Music Row, you you kind of wrestled with finding a hook, you know, finding an idea. And now, uh, you know, when I'm making these records of my own, I just kind of let them come to me. Walking is a real good thing. When I lived in Savannah, I would just walk through the squares and walk around town. Oh, yeah. And great songs come out that way because you're sort of in a rhythm anyway because you're walking, and it's like a meditation a little bit. You you don't really sit, well, I'm sitting down to write a song now. You can play with a melody. You can goof around. and Interesting, and, uh, yeah. So by the time you actually do sit down to write the song, it's kind of sort of written. Yeah. Know? And it's yeah. more... Uh, you know, I don't use hippie speak, but it's sort of organic. You know, it's like uh, rather than I think people can sense the the amount of work or how you worked or how you felt when you did a song, even if it's not on the page or in the melody. They kind of people can I think sense um, you in the song, yeah, how you came about it and all that kind of thing on some sort of gut level anyway. So the less that you have to sit down and actually write, I think is is um for me a little more natural right you know right and it's it's the un-nashville way that's not how it's done on music Row. yeah yeah which makes me like it better (laughs) all right well let's tee up another song yeah man well you want me to play one i'd love for you to yeah well why don't we uh why don't we do this on the georgia thing again let me see here my granddaddy had about a fourth grade education over there in Lincoln County. But he wanted to be a wealthy man. He was willing to work hard. And he had a few amenities down there on the old property. He had a really clean stream of water running through there. And he had a friend in the black market where he could buy sugar, yeast. And he had a whole lot of corn song that the names are changed to protect the guilty (laughs) (laughs) it's called Haunted Hawkins Sugar on his back. 
For about two weeks, the state police searched and combed these pines. But not one trace and not one taste did them lawmen find. Some people said he may be dead or up in Tennessee. All I know is that I wish he'd have saved a badge for me. Run on it, Hawkins, the devil is on your trail. He's waving a badge of 45 and a ticket to the county jail, yeah. Last time I saw him, the hornet was making tracks. He was 80 yards away from the G-man with a 50-pound sack of sugar on his back. a half a mile away from the G-Man with a 50-pound sack of sugar on his old bag. You better run, boy. Them Lincoln County deputies gonna mess up and catch you, put you underneath the jailhouse, but would you please just uh, drop a little port off under my porch on the way out of town? That's clever. That's clever. Well, uh, he was a hardworking man getting it done. He was. He, he decided to go uh, go the legit route after that, and he went into the pulpwood business and the right-of-way clearing business and all kind of other business. But uh, my grandmother, I think, finally told him that it was either her or the corn liquor, and so he chose her, I guess. <laughs> That's great. Raised us all up. Well, Jeff, we are bouncing up toward the top of the hour, and I just want to let you know how how grateful I am that you've been here in the studio. I, I tell folks I had the best seat in Gainesville on on Monday nights, and uh, and being with you, hearing your music and your stories is just fantastic. Well, I can't thank you enough, Ralph, for having me up here, and I uh, hope to hope to bump into each other much more. Oh, I, I intend on that. Yeah. Well, folks, check Jefferson Ross out on the internet, and I'm going to go ahead and close out the show on your song stories. Yeah. And. Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah. This is a song that uh, it's just about, you know, the stories about basically what we have to, to give to our friends. And uh, until the next time I see you, uh, bring me some stories. Yeah, you got it. You got it. Well, folks, have a great week ahead. And thanks for listening to the Chattahoochee Folk Hour. I'm Ralph Taylor. May your circles remain unbroken. And remember, every life is a song. Every life is a song we're singing. And I look forward to seeing you back here next Monday. Here we go. Stories by Jefferson Ross. Here's to us, my old friends Until it's time to drink the wine and break the bread again Go out and shake the world like a willow tree And bring some stories, bring some stories back to me I hope your days are sweet and sunny you shoot the bull with pockets full of extra folding money And may you fly your flag in victory And bring some stories, bring your stories back to me It ain't a crime to be a human Never be ashamed to be yourself 
Rest assured that whatever you're doing Will entertain me like nobody else Tinge your life, tinge your myth Cultivate your narrative with whomever you're with Then with glass in hand and children on one knee Bring some stories, bring your stories back to me It ain't a crime to be a human Never be ashamed to be yourself Rest assured that whatever you're doing Will entertain me like nobody else So here's to us, my old friends Until it's time to drink the wine and break the bread again With glass in hand and children on me Bring some stories, bring your stories back to me